Well, as a church, we have declared and said, uh, said it over and over the last several years that we want to be people who will live by faith, we want to be a voice of hope, and we want to be known by love. We're going we're to take steps of faith. True, that's what it means to live by faith. We're going to take steps we ordinarily would not take unless God were to nudge us and say, take a step of faith, and it's going to be uncomfortable, it may be frightening, but he'll call us at times to do that. We're going to live by faith, trusting him to do everything he says he will do if we trust him. We're going to be a voice of hope, and we mean that. We're going to bring hope wherever we can take it, wherever we can give it, and we want to be known by love. Well, today I want to take you to the New Testament book of Matthew in the first chapter, and it's the story of the birth of Christ, and this is all about believing in faith that this is true, that it happened, and it's also about receiving the hope that it was given by God to bring us, and it's also designed to help us love others. In other words, a follower of Jesus, one who has committed their life to following Jesus and allowing Jesus to speak to us through the, through the word, through prayer, through the Bible, through other ways, we want to be people who will follow Jesus and demonstrate what he said to do, and that is love one another as I've loved you. And he said, the world's going to know you love each other, by the way. The world's going to know you're my followers, he said, in the way you love each other. Keep that in mind. In Matthew chapter 1, it's a very familiar story. You've heard it. If you've, if you've walked by a church in December, you've probably heard this, whether you went in or not. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Never get tired of hearing that story. And there's always people that find this hard to believe. I'd, I'd be shocked if that wasn't the case. It's a, hard, it's a story hard to believe. And, and there are some moments in Scripture that they just call for radical faith, and this is one of those. You either believe it or you don't. And at this point, everything else that Jesus has said, everything else the Bible has pointed to, has proven to be true. We may not understand all of it, and there's plenty we're not going to know or understand this side of heaven. But there's some amazing things in this story that I want to bring out today. Joseph was a righteous man. He was a just man. And he was a, the reason I've said this, he was a, a man who was willing to do this. Now, we, he didn't know this at the time. We've come up with that. But I find Joseph to be, a, to be that man who was, in this moment, he's going to take a tremendous step of faith and take Mary as his wife. 
And he's also going to be a, a voice of hope for her and for us for all time. And we now will know Joseph by his love for her. He demonstrates that. And I think that's what this text, at least for this year, calls me to point out. Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph, her fiance, being a just man, a righteous man, decided to break the engagement. Decided to break the engagement. The Hebrew, Hebrew word for righteous man is the word Sadiq. And the word means he was known for his uncompromising obedience to the Torah, the law of Moses. John Ortberg uh, had a great quote on this. He says, he did not, this is Joseph, he did not eat unclean food. He didn't mix with the wrong kind of people. He didn't keep his carpentry shop open on the Sabbath to make a few extra bucks. He was a Sadiq. That was his identity, and everybody knew that about him. Nobody invited Joseph over to have ham sandwiches with prostitutes and tax collectors. That wasn't Joseph. So in the New Testament, you have a guy a little bit like Joseph, the Apostle Paul, who tells us in Philippians chapter 3 that he was, here's his, here's his credentials now for being one of the best Jews to walk the earth. He said he was circumcised on the eighth day. He's of the people of Israel. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. He's a Hebrew of all Hebrews. And in regard to the law, he's a Pharisee. And as for zeal, he persecuted Christians and the church. And as for righteousness based on the law, he was faultless. That's who he was. And he became something very different after an encounter with Jesus. The Life Application Bible Study gives more detail about Jewish marriage. Joseph is now engaged to a girl who's now pregnant. And whoever the father is, Joseph is very clear he is not that person. There were three basic steps to marriage in those days. One was, the first one was, two families agree to the union. Both families agree to that. The second one was, there's a public announcement made letting the community know that Mary and Joseph are engaged. And engagement in those days was a binding agreement that could only be broken by legal divorce. And then the third phase was the actual wedding. And according to Jewish civil law, Joseph had a right to divorce Mary, and this law included provisions for stoning her and the partner, the one who has made her pregnant, stoning them to death. That was Joseph's option. He had every right to choose that option, and no one would have disagreed with him. It, and if you think it sounds bizarre then, it sounds bizarre now. If, someone, if, if this were happening now, thank God it isn't in this world because we, we, we don't believe anything anymore. But if, I think, maybe, maybe you do, I do, so that was a broad statement. <laughs> Can you imagine these days somebody coming into the church? The Holy Spirit made me pregnant. I mean, call the, I mean, call the truck to come take this person to the insane asylum, you know, I mean, we would respond, yeah, right. Now, we can respond that way, kind of, because we know it only happened once. And we're told it's only going to happen once. But you just think how bizarre that would sound to us if someone said that today. It sounded just as bizarre then. Let's not candy coat this and think, oh, these are all just godly sweet people. Oh, how awesome that is that God made a girl pregnant. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. No, no, that is not at all 
how this went. Yes, Mary was pregnant. No, it wasn't Joseph's. So he decides to divorce her quietly. You know why he did that? He's a righteous man. And her, her, Joseph is her fiance. Being a just man, he's going to do what he had every legal right to do. Break the engagement. But he loves Mary. He loves her. Haven't we all had an opportunity somewhere to love somebody that may have even broken our heart? To love somebody that does something or says something that just like taking a knife. But he loves Mary. He still loves her. Knowing what he knows now. And because he loves her, he's going to do the right thing and quietly divorce her. Quietly. Because he doesn't want to disgrace her publicly. Now, please understand for just a moment what we're learning here between this very righteous man and this awful apparent sin or mistake. This man who knows everything about God and this woman who apparently knows nothing. But he loves her. Surely, there are more than a few of us in this room that have had heartbreak because of something or a decision that was made by somebody you love. Joseph is such a good example how we handle this. Joseph did not waver in this moment. He didn't waver in his faith. He didn't waver in what he believed. But he did something that we would later learn from Jesus himself. He, he did something. It was, it was grace before we knew what it was. It was let's start here. And we're going to lead with love. People do. We all do. We've all. The Bible says we're all. We've all messed up. Okay. So we don't need to hide. We all have. The Bible says that, and that is true. But I'm thankful for the times when we have messed up. Hopefully, the first person that maybe found out you messed up or saw you mess up or knew about your mess up would lead first with love and say, I can't be with you, but I'm not going to disgrace you. I'm going to walk alongside you, I'm going to still be your friend. And sometimes it's, we do have to draw hard lines. There are times you've got to have a boundary, but that's only after you've really tried everything you know to try to be gracious and kind and loving. And sometimes people are going to need to have that hard boundary just to move on and to get over whatever they're trying to get over. He loves Mary. And in that moment, quietly divorcing Mary was the kindest and nicest and most sensible thing to do. But he didn't want to disgrace her. We have to take note here that this was his sincere righteousness that led to kindness. Not arrogance, not judgment, and not condemnation. I just think, oh dear God, how, how much we need more righteous men who are kind and forgiving and 
loving and filled with second and third and fourth chances for people because of Jesus Christ. Because see, if you've really tasted that love that he has for you, for whatever reason, I've, I saw it and felt it and knew it at nine years of age. And I've given God a lot of chances to, to say, you didn't catch it, did you? There are just so many people these days, too many men and women today who are very devout, Bible study and church attending, hymn singing people. But sometimes my observation has been in, in all these years of ministry, the longer they are Christians, the more judgmental they become. What's wrong with that picture? You know, something I've loved about this church now for I think it's 41, maybe, I don't know, it's coming up on 42, I think, somewhere. It's just been a long time. Some would say way too long. But um, let me tell you what I loved about this church. The minute I walked in the first time to a group of about 150 people, and that was if we counted the guy across the street in yard. He was close enough. We counted him. One thing I, I think what God used to draw me here, that was his plan, of course. It wasn't mine, but it was his. The older generations in this church have always excelled in love and kindness, eager to forgive, eager to be patient, eager to be generous, eager to give second and third and fourth chances. That's just been the spirit of this place. And when we started growing, when we, you know, we prayed for 200 people, when we got to 200, we were so worried that we might lose that that gracious tone of our church and it, it's still here it's still it's still an answer to our prayers I mean if these people weren't that eager and patient to forgive I would never have made it five years Mary's in that category pregnant unmarried and it's not the child of the man she's engaged Joseph was a righteous man. He's very much in love with Mary. And then something happens. He hears from God. The angel said to Joseph, don't be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you're to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Wouldn't it be great if an angel could appear every time we've, we're in desperate place? Now, the Spirit does that for us. Now, the Bible tells us that. We know that the Holy Spirit is ours. He, he hears from God. So again, think of how many times we're faced with a dilemma. Someone has really done something that shouldn't have been done. It's hurtful to you and maybe others. And the first thing Joseph seems to have happened to him is he hears from God. In those moments for us at times, God needs to hear from us. We, we sometimes need to pray first, Lord, it's going to be so hard to do this. It's going to be so hard to forgive this person. It's going to be so hard to accept this. It's going to be hard to do anything kind in this moment. But Lord, I need you to do for me what you did for Joseph. He hears from God, and so what's he do? He sacrifices his image, his reputation, and his future. 
When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel told him to do, what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought her home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born. And Joseph did as the angel said and named him Jesus. This very statement alone tells us just how much he loved her. You've got to note his sincere righteousness led to kindness. We have to note that he did what God said to do. And there are people that would know Joseph the rest of his life who would never buy it and never believe it. Everything Joseph knew, his incredible knowledge, the word, uh, uh, what he knew of the, of the Torah, the ferocious desire to live by the word would have cost him, you know, would have had him divorce her quietly. But what he knew left him only one option. And isn't it amazing in that moment that Joseph was moved by God to listen to the Spirit of God over the written word so God could bring the living word into the world? And this is one of the greatest stories in the Bible about faith. Based on Joseph's knowledge of the word, it did not guide him to the right decision in that moment because his decision was divorce her quietly. Joseph's knowledge about God, the Torah, would have left him one choice, divorce His head said, divorce her. His heart said, divorce her quietly. And God said, marry her, I've got a plan. Marry her, I've got a plan. See, and this is, it gets so difficult sometimes, I think, for the believer, particularly the longer we're followers of Jesus, because we know clearly what the Bible would be saying about something. And the Bible Joseph knew of at that time would have given him the perfect right to divorce her. His heart was saying, I'm going to divorce her, but I'm going to do it quietly. But God had another plan. He said, marry her. I've got a plan. Cliff Sanders makes a great statement occasionally. I don't mean he makes one occasionally. <laughs> He's gonna love that one. He makes a lot of great statements, but occasionally he says this. <laughs> he knows more than one quote, okay? He comes up with stuff all the time. Most of it I can't understand, but he's got it, okay? What I know about God, I know. But what I know about God is not all there is to know about God. That's a good reminder for all of us. It's not an excuse not to pursue the knowledge and study and know the word, know the Bible. But we must understand what we know about God, we do know. But what we know about God is not all there is to know about him. We're learning that in this story. We're learning that God cannot be comprehended in fact, Augustine said this, if you understood him, it can't be God. If you understood him, it can't be God. That's how you know when you've really encountered God. Joseph's knowledge of the word, the Torah, it's showing us a better way. His knowledge led to an unshakable faith. It led to compassion. It was what we today would call authentic faith. He heard the angels say that he was to treat Mary very differently than his own righteousness would have demanded. It's an amazing story. 
When Joseph made his decision to wed Mary, he thought it was the end of his being known as a righteous man. He did not know fully that the child he would adopt would bring to the human race a new kind of righteousness. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Great quote from John Ortberg. Maybe God decided that Jesus, who would be called a friend of sinners, should be raised in a family that knew firsthand what it feels like to be regarded in the spiritually second-class category. Maybe part of why Jesus had a heart for unrespectable people is that he was raised by a father who sacrificed his respectability for his son. Maybe one reason Jesus had compassion on women who were walking scandals is he knew what it meant to his mom that his father had stuck by her when she was single and pregnant. And when all the righteous folks would have said, go away. Think of how Jesus, as he was growing up, must have admired his dad's courage. Later, when Joseph was long gone, and Jesus a grown man, and he taught in Matthew 5.20, and this is what it says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law or the old system, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus must have been thinking inside, I've seen the better kind of righteousness firsthand. My father was such a man. I've seen the better kind of righteousness. My father was that man. Philip Yancey says this, and I leave us with this thought. For the watching world, we ourselves offer up proof that God is alive. Now think about that, or do we? For the watching world, we ourselves offer up proof that God's alive. We form the visible shape of what God is like. When I look at this shape around me, I easily get discouraged because much of the time we give a very poor representation of what God is like. Can we be people who when someone tells us some really bad news, they've made a mistake, they've made a decision that's going to be costly, it's gonna cost their reputation. Could we be people like Joseph who will say, I'm gonna stick with you? Yeah, you, you know, which, which way are we gonna start? Well, yes, you've made a big mess. How dare you do that? What a terrible thing to do. What, a, what an awful choice to make. What got into you? What were you thinking? We'll say those things, and there's times you need to say them. But somewhere in that mix, preferably before we go into our speech, we decide right up front, okay, let's start here. I love you, and that will not change in this circumstance. I want you to know that first. I love you. And no matter what you do, I'm not going to stop loving you. What if we started there? And yes, as I've already said, there'll be those situations that are gonna take a lot of time, maybe years, and a lot of hard boundaries to help someone have a chance to come to their senses. But Joseph gives us this incredible picture of this highly righteous religious man who because of an angel and a pregnant wife becomes one of the most gracious, forgiving figures in the Bible. So the next time somebody makes a big mistake, be ready to love them, 
like Joseph loved Mary. The next time you make a mistake, be ready to be honest. Be ready to seek help. You're not alone. You're surrounded by people who've been, pretty much we've all been where most of you are. We've all made different kinds of mistakes for different reasons in different seasons. But I believe God is still saying to us, I love you and I want you. I want you to be with me. There's a story in the Bible. Jesus has gone to the house of a Pharisee and they're kind of being critical of him because a woman of ill repute apparently came in and knelt down by Jesus' feet. So all of a sudden he, he knows the ones are the, around that table are saying if he knew who was touching him and what kind of woman she was, they would not have anything to do with this. So Jesus says to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. That was a custom of the day. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not greet me with a kiss, but this woman from the time I've entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins are forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus looked at her and said, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say to themselves, who is this that even can forgive sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's be people who will love, trust, stand by someone that doesn't deserve our presence, or at least we think they don't. Stand with someone as long as it takes for them to be restored, for God's work in their life to unfold in whatever plan he may have for them. Let's be those kinds of folks who will live by faith and be a voice of hope and be known by our love. I'm gonna ask the prayer teams if they would come to the front of all of our rooms. And today we would be thrilled to pray with any of you in all of our rooms who are in need of prayer. Maybe you've had a tough week. Maybe you've got someone in your life that's being very difficult to love right now. Maybe there's a situation. And I've found that sometimes when I ask someone else to pray for me, it's very helpful. Someone else can put some words to something I have trouble articulating. So we'd love to pray with you, pray for you about anything that's on your mind. We'd love that privilege. After I pray, the prayer teams will be ready for you there at the front. Father, we thank you so much for the power of a simple story, but how we thank you for this story, for sending Jesus Christ to us in the way you did it through a virgin and thank you, Father, for a, a faithful husband who had no reason to stay with her, but did because you gave him truth. You told him what was happening and he obeyed. Father, I pray we would be people that would surely be forgiving and loving and kind. And even though there'll be hard lines, there'll be hard lines to draw, hard boundaries to bring, Father, even in those moments, may we always seek what is best for a person who is hurting. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.